Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. Man, how many of you guys are excited and ready to jump in already today? All right, the rest of you will get there. I'm just kidding. I'm just getting so excited to be in this final week of As It Is in Heaven, and as we've been talking, and this is our fifth week, man, what a powerful, powerful series we've been in as we've looked at life change and what it means is all based out of the Lord's Prayer that you find in Matthew, and, 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 and you can say it with me right now. It, Jesus is teaching people how to pray, and he starts it like this, Our Father who art in heaven, come on, say it with me, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. There you go. You know the title of the series now. Congratulations. On earth as it is in heaven. And here's what we've talked about. One of the main points in the very first part was the kingdom of God is not just a destination we reach when our lives are over, but it's an assignment we live today. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not something that we just look at and we go, well, when I die, I'll get there. No, I'm alive today carrying the assignment of the kingdom of God to do everything in this earth because he said, I want my will done on earth, my kingdom to come, my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The thing is, is we've been talking for four weeks about what God does for us, how God changes us to be a part of the kingdom, right? grace and changing our minds and and watching different things and and, and stuff like that. But here's the truth. Listen to me. I want to talk today about what our specific role is to bring kingdom to earth because God wants us to be a part of bringing kingdom to earth. If he wants his kingdom to come to earth, he needs a vessel that he can use to pour it through. He's got to get it from there to here, but he needs somebody that's willing and able to bring it. And so that's our role, but what does that even really look like? And it's found, the story we're going to really talk about today is found in John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is where we're going to hang out. So you can turn in or on your Bibles there. And, and I just want you to know this, as you're turning there, or as you're turning on your Bibles there, and you're, and you're looking at that scripture, a lot of us can look and say, God is doing something great in my life. I'm seeing more people walk into what God's calling them to do and taking steps of faith and things like that today than I may have ever seen in the history of our church. And maybe that's because our attendance numbers are growing and our serving numbers are growing and things like that. But maybe it's because people are beginning to walk into the kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of us can say, well, God's doing something great in my life. And I just want you to know the only reason God does something great in your life is so that he can do something great through your life. Every time. He doesn't, he will not do anything great in your life if you won't let him do anything great through your life. And a lot of times what we do is we become a dead sea. And the dead sea is this, the dead sea is there's no outflow to what's coming in. And so the reason it's dead is because water just sits there and becomes stagnant. And the moment God changes your life but we cut off the outflow of what God wants to do in somebody else's, we become a spiritual dead sea. And that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a dead sea, it's a living water. That means it's moving and it's flowing and it's doing things. And I want to talk today out of Matt, John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. And it says, it says this. It says, so Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave and a, a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. 
Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Sometimes, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes you need to speak your prayer and declaration of what God is going to do, not for your sake, but for the people around you. Sometimes the people around you need to hear your faith so that their faith is ignited to do something greater. We can't just hold it in. we got to let it out sometimes. And he said, so that the people around me may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. And his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, get this, unbind him and let him go. Now, if you've been in church any stretch of time, you've probably heard this story at some point, shape, or form. But I believe what we have to understand when we're talking about this story is this. That Jesus never did anything just by happenstance. Everything Jesus did was intentional and strategic. Jesus did not come. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. He did not come to overthrow a government. He did not come to do any of that. He came to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. He didn't care about the other stuff. And so everything he did was strategic and intentional to make the vision of the kingdom of God come forth. That's what he did. And so whenever he sees an opportunity to expand that and and move the front lines forward as far as As that goes, he takes it. And so when Jesus looks and his friend Lazarus is dead, he's been dead four days, they've been bugging him and aggravating him to come and pull him out of the grave. Like, Jesus, you're Jesus, come pull your boy, he's your boy, pull him out of the grave, right? And so Jesus shows up and he looks at him, and there's three things I want us to look at because I think this is a great representation of our role in the kingdom of God. The first thing that Jesus looks at him and tells him to do, he looks at them and tells them, hey, you remove the stone." Like, roll the stone away. That's kind of an odd thing to do. Think about it. He's Jesus. Do you not think that he could have saved the man's life even though the stone wasn't moved? Let's be honest. He was Jesus. He could have made the man bust through the stone like the Kool-Aid man. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could have done anything he wanted to do without anybody ever touching the stone. In fact, he was Jesus. He was a carpenter, we believe. So that means that he was probably pretty jacked. I know it's hard to believe, but he was probably way more jacked than I am. (laughs) It's just a joke. I know I'm a skinny little boy, okay? It's all right. But Jesus could have walked up to the stone and rolled it. Jesus could have moved it. But he looked at them, and he said, hey, you, remove the stone. He looked at the people that were coming and petitioning for the man's miracle and said, if you believe in the miracle for him enough, then you'll remove the stone. Here's why. There's a couple reasons why. One, I believe one of the main reasons why he asked them to remove the stone wasn't because he couldn't, but because he needed access. Part of the problem is, is that we ask God, we ask Jesus to constantly do miracles through obstacles. Hey, Jesus, I don't want to approach what's in that stone. Like, what's behind that stone? She looked at him. She said, it's going to be stank. He's been dead four days. He's decaying. He's stinking. It's just not going to be pretty. In fact, Jesus, I'd rather not even face what we've already buried. How many times in our life have we looked at Jesus and said, I need you to change that situation in my life, but I'm not willing to unroll the stone and face what I've already tried to bury for you to have access to change it. 
If you look throughout scripture in Jesus' miracles, when he's providing miracles for people, he consistently asks them, even though they're coming to him for miracles, he looks at them and he says this, do you want to be healed? I'm going to be real honest. I'm a smart aleck a lot of times. And if Jesus, if I went up to Jesus and been like, hey, restore my sight, and he looked at me and goes, do you want your sight restored? I'd have been like, bro, did you not just hear what I just said? I need you to restore my sight. He would look at him and go, do you want to be healed? Do you want your sight restored? Do you want your, 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 your crippled to be healed? Whatever it is. Why? Because he needed something in them to remove a stone so that he had access to change an area of their life that they thought they wanted healed, but they weren't willing to give any access to. How many times do we look at Jesus all the time and go, I need you to heal something, but I'm not facing it. I need you to heal the hurt and the pain and the frustration and the wrongdoing and all those things that happened to me back in middle school, even though I'm 50-something years old today. And the truth is, Jesus, I'm not willing to unroll a stone to face it again. I just need you to change it. And Jesus is going, that's not how I operate. I have to have you give me access to that area before it can be healed. He looked at them, and here's the thing. Not only do we need to remove stones in our own life, we need to remove stones in others' lives. Listen, here's the deal, man. They believed so, they wanted their brother back. They wanted their, their, their friend back. They wanted Lazarus back on the earth, right? They believed that Jesus could breathe life into his body, and he could get up and walk again. And that he was going to have life, and he was going to be back on the earth, the truth of the matter is Jesus said, if you believe that heartily, if you believe that heavenly that I can do that for him, then you need to remove the stone. A lot of us are praying for our family and friends for Jesus to breathe life into them, but we're placing stones rather than removing them. We got to love people enough to remove a stone. You want me to tell you why people show up at 630 every Sunday morning to set up this school so it doesn't feel as much like a school but it feels like a church? Because that may be a stone that's removed for Jesus to walk into their dead areas and change something in their life. You want me to tell you why we have people come throughout the week and put together good Samaritan bags and donate for that stuff? It's because that may be a stone that we can remove so Jesus can walk into a stinking area of their life and change it. We're here to remove stones. That's what we're here to do. And so if we really believe that Jesus can do everything that we say Jesus can do, are we removing stones or are we placing stones? She looked and she said, dude, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. We buried that dude. We got rid of him. We've forgotten. I mean, we haven't forgot about him, but I just don't want to face it. It's going to stink when you open that. And can I tell you something? There's some areas in your life and everybody else's life that is going to stink the moment you remove a stone. It's going to hurt. That church hurt that you don't want to confront when you remove the stone, it's going to stink. That bitterness that you're holding on to when you remove the stone, it's going to stink. But that moves me back into the second portion of the story to where it's not any of them that changed the situation that Lazarus is in. They just gave Jesus access because he's the only one that can. Your systematic rules and regulations are not going to save anybody. It may make them look polished on the outside, but on the inside they're still dead and they're still screaming for life. Some of you may be in the same place to where I've done that. I've gotten myself right. I quit drinking. I quit going to the club. I found a man in the right place. I did this and I did that. I pray. I worship. I show up every Sunday morning. But that's not the condition of the heart. The condi- that's the condition of our body. The condition of our heart is what matters. 
When I get the condition of the heart and the posture of submission of the heart right, then what begins to happen is the external attitude of my life begins to shift all because my heart is now submitted to a higher power and submitted to grace. It's no man that can come into your life and change anything about your life. That's why some of us go through relationship after relationship after relationship looking for somebody that can bring us some peace and some hurt, uh, 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 some peace and some solitude in our life because we're looking for it through external forces rather than submitting to it through an internal Savior. Because we keep going through the same cycle because we're trying to polish the exterior but we never do anything to allow the interior to drive our exterior out of love rather than obligation. See, that's what Jesus was doing. He was looking at me and go, I need you to open the stone and give me access because I'm the only one that can change him. It's my words, Lazarus come forth, that's going to bring him forth, not yours. Notice, he looked at him and said, remove the stone. He never looked at him and said, call him forth. It doesn't matter what you do in your life, you'll never be able to provide the miracle that Jesus can. And if you can, it's only a second-rate version of what he wanted to do to begin with. Some of us are living under uh, uh, just fake blessing in our life, and we're, bl- we're giving God the credit, which is great, but the truth is, is that your hard work in the corporate world is what got it for you, and Jesus wanted more for your life, but you're settling for a fake blessing rather than the real blessing. You know what? Mm. It's nothing you can do that can provide the blessing of God. Other than provide access. It's only Jesus that can change your life. You may be walking in here today with a new life. And we've, we've had over 50 people accept Jesus for the first time in their life this year already in 2018 here at Radiate Church. And maybe you're one of those over 50 that walk in here and you got new life. But can I tell you something? The only thing that saved your life was the grace and the resurrection of Jesus. The, the salvation and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's nothing else. Your decision to submit your heart to the Savior is what allowed him access to change you. It's not me. It's not the team that you serve with. It's not your life group. It's Jesus. They were just avenues that were willing to remove a stone so that he could show up. So what are we doing to, 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 to remove stones in people's lives? What are we doing to allow him to come in and save their life? How are we treating people? How are we loving people? How are we praying for people? How are we doing those things? Because those are the mo- stones that are removed. If I treat somebody like junk at Food Lion, I don't know what they're carrying. They could be walking in and their husband may be about to leave them and they are shattered and broken and they literally walked in saying, if one more thing happens to me, I don't know if I should be here or not. And my action may have placed a stone rather than removed it. You know what I'm saying? All because I had a bad day and I got to wait two minutes longer because they had to go get a, 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 a cheese it box with some UPC on it because the other one was blocked. I don't know. I've never been a cashier, as you can tell. Like, am I placing stones or removing them? But then there's the third portion that's really awkward to me and odd to me. So Jesus comes in. He looks at him. He says, I need you to remove the stone, right? So he comes in. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus stands up looking like a doggone mummy, and he stands up, and he starts walking to the mouth of the cave. And then Jesus does something. Here's what it says in verse 44. It says, uh, the man who had died came forth. So Lazarus comes forth, forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. So his hands and his feet were wrapped literally like a mummy. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. 
So his face was even wrapped up. You can literally think about a, a cartoon mummy, okay? That kind of gives you a, a correct depiction of what's going to happen. And the reason that they did that, let me just go ahead and tell you some background in history here, culture. The reason they wrapped them in grave clothes was not because they wanted them to be clothed when they died. It was because they had to hold their bones together whenever they decayed because in about a year they'd come back and pull the bones, put them in a box, and bury the box and then reuse the tomb. That's why it's very important to understand that when Jesus was buried in a tomb, it says that the tomb was never used before. Nobody else had died in there but Jesus. And so he comes out and he's wrapped in cloths. And then Jesus, Jesus is looking at this man, this mummy. And he looks and it says, Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus swoops in, does the miraculous, and then makes them do all the work. But there's something important that happens here. John, come on up here for me and help me out. John is our guitarist at Radiate Worship. He does an amazing job serving the vision of this house in the vision of Radiate Church. He's incredible. Y'all give him a hand. John is awesome. John does a great job. And, and, and just act like you're bound. I, I, I didn't bring all that because last week that just did not go over very well. So um, uh, if you're in first service. If not, then don't worry about it. Um, but act like you're bound. Put your feet together because, and man, those are some nice shoes. I'm pretty sure Lazarus didn't have those, but it's all good. So, so he's, he's, he's bound, right? And Jesus looks at the crowd, at Martha and, and the other siblings that were around, and he said, unbind him and let him go. Now, here's the interesting part. I believe this is a kingdom principle that's often overlooked in this story. And it's this, that freedom often only comes or often comes through connection. Let me put it to you like this. Kingdom is to be reproduced throughout the earth. What did God say in Genesis? He said to be fruitful and multiply. And a lot of times we take that as meaning physically have kids. And I believe that. But it, let's say that be fruitful and multiply is that. You can't have kids if you don't have connection, a physical connection with somebody, right? All the married folks said praise God. You can't do that unless you have a physical connection with somebody. We look at it in that sense, but the kingdom is to be reproduced everywhere we go. The kingdom cannot, nothing, nothing can reproduce without connection. I'm growing a garden. You know how fruits and vegetables grow? The connection of pollination from another plant or another bee. There has to be connection for anything to reproduce and to grow. And I think Jesus was teaching that in this moment. He looked at the people and he said, I need you. To unbind him, which meant I need you to have connection enough with him to unwrap the stinky, smelling, decaying parts of his life. But here's what happens in our lives. The more we grow, a lot of times I stand over here in my cave and you stand over there in your cave, sorry, and you just stay there, I'll stay here, and we'll seclude ourselves. And then we want to look and go, why is this generation, why is this generation doing this and seeking life this way and doing these kind of things? And my generation is partly to blame because we said, I'm going to stand over here in my own little thing. I'm going to do my own way. I'm going to live my own life. You stay away from me. Don't touch me. Don't hurt me. Because I know the more I connect with you, the more opportunity of hurt that can take place. And what we've done is we've, uh, we've, we've allowed ourselves to disconnect from each other. And we would rather connect through likes and shares and double taps on social media than we would to come across somebody and go, I know you stink and there's some areas of your life I don't even like, but I need to be connected to you because I got things you need to unbind in me and I got things that I need to unbind in you. Connection, the kingdom is all about 
connection. It's all over the place. Which is why when Jesus was baptized, if you look, the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove. And he says, in you, I am well pleased, my son. In other words, he's connecting the Holy Spirit to God. And he's saying, you're my son. I'm connected to you. And I'm pleased in what you're doing. Now we're about to reproduce the kingdom in the earth. And now you've got 12 people that are about to take over the entire earth through the kingdom of God because of what you're about to do. Because it's about to reproduce. Come on now. And we would rather stand in seclusion because it's easier. I'm just not a people person, Pastor. Good, be a kingdom person. I'm introverted, Pastor. Good, uh, be kingdomverted. You're welcome. I'm going to copyright that. Get me some royalties on it. With connection, praise God. We have to be connected to people, but the enemy wants us to believe that we shouldn't just be connected to people, but we should keep a safe distance. Like, I can know you at church, but I don't need to know everything about you because there's some things about you. You've said this. I just don't want to know. There's some things about you you can just keep to yourself. But can I tell you, those are the areas that we need to open the stone and let the stench out so that the Savior can come in and do something with the areas that we're trying to hide from everybody else. It's through connection that he was unbound. In order for them to unbind him, here's what had to happen. Lazarus had to put himself in a place to where he was close enough to be touched. But they had to put themselves in a place to where they were close enough to touch him. In other words, they had to put themselves in a posture of connection for the kingdom to come forth and freedom to take place. We all want to live in connection, but we never want to live in connection. Uh, uh, we all want to live in freedom, but we never want to live in connection. I can't tell you all those things about my life. And you've got to pick where you bleed. You can't walk up to anybody and tell them all your mess. Because some people will use it against you. But when you're connected to somebody that is kingdom-minded, and you connect with them, and you wrap your arm around them, and you say, hey, man, I know this stinks right now, and it's going to be hard, but I'm not here to play patty cake with you. I'm here to unbind something in you so that you can walk in your destiny, and you can walk in your future, and you can walk in your purpose, and you can walk in your call. I'm not here to just look at you and say, boy." I'm here to go, dude, what are you doing? This stinks. You've been hiding this too daggum long. Let's open the room, remove the stone, unbind you, and watch, watch you walk free. The kingdom only reproduces through connection. I love the fact that he looks at them and he tells them that I need you to unbind him. Can I tell you, that's our job in the kingdom of God. Our job is not to sit back and wait on everybody else to unbind somebody. What if Lazarus got up, bound, he's standing there in the mouth of the cave, and Jesus looks at the people around him and says, I need you to unbind him. And they said, somebody will come by and do that. I got to go over here and do this. I'm too busy. You don't know what my life has been like this week. You don't know the headache I've had. You don't know the financial trouble I'm going through. You don't know this, and you don't, I ain't good enough to unbind it. I'm going to walk over here, and everybody that walked by, it was waiting on somebody else to unbind him. Because he said, unbind him and let him be free. He didn't just say, unbind him and let him walk around. He said, unbind him and let him be free. Lazarus would have stood in the mouth of the cave, experiencing one of the greatest miracles he's ever experienced in his life, and never been able to walk it out and tell anybody about it because nobody would unbind him. I believe the connection is one of the greatest attributes of the kingdom. Thank you, John. Y'all give it up for John one more time. Yeah, John! I believe 
kingdom, a connection is where the kingdom changes. Here's the thing. I believe that's what was being taught whenever Paul in the New Testament said, forsake not the gathering of your brothers. It's not forsake not coming together in church and sitting here and letting everybody else do anything. He said, forsake not the gathering of your brothers. A brother has a connection. A brother has a heart connection. A brother knows something about each other. A brother can get mad at the other brother, and then five minutes later, they're hugging. A brother can go through life together, and they don't get, a, they don't get along, but then something happens, and you ain't going to talk to my brother like that, and we got each other's back. He said, forsake not the gathering of your brothers. In other words, he said, come and gather with people that you're connected to so heavily that you ain't fighting this thing alone. You're fighting this thing as a team. You got a family that's got your back. You got a family that will fight for you. Connection is where the kingdom takes place. And I believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm about to end, I believe that the enemy has so taught us that we need to stand in our own little room by ourselves. And here I see it over and over. My wife and I were talking about it this week. And there's so many people that are under spiritual attack in their life. And, 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 and fortunately, I get to pastor you, you guys and, and so many more online and, and throughout, throughout the area. I get to pastor so many people that, that come to us for prayer and support for the kingdom. But it's a heavy weight. And nine out of ten times, we can see the pattern. And the pattern is for six, eight, ten months... We're watching people go, I'm, I'm going to step back from doing this. I'm going to step back from worship. I'm going to step back from attending. I'm going to step back from life groups. I'm going to step back from serving. I'm going to step back from doing all these things. And what happens is at the end of those six, eight, ten months, what begins to happen is they're standing on an island by themselves, and then they begin to get spiritually attacked. And now they look and go, nobody cares about me. Nobody sees me. I'm just some person standing out here by myself. Why is God doing this to me? Why didn't God bring me? My church doesn't even love me. My people don't. And the whole thing is not that anybody doesn't love you it's that we've chosen to seclude ourselves from the connection of the kingdom and now we're trying to fight an enemy that was never meant to be fought solo and we're trying to fight it in seclusion I don't have the prayer partners because I pulled away I don't have the team that I used to serve with to back me up and tell me it's going to be okay and text me about because I pulled away I, I, don't, I don't have the people in my family that will come beside me and speak life into me because I pulled away. And often, I'm telling you right now, the way the enemy wins in situations is through seclusion. Because connection is where kingdom takes place. And listen, I know you're sitting out there going, that sounds good, but what the heck does it even mean? It means that you need to get around people that will unbind you. And you need to get a real known people that you can unbind. Notice I'm saying unbind. I'm not saying teach them what to do. I'm saying unbind them. Stop talking about what somebody's done and start talking about who they can be. We're not building connection to look at people and go, I can't believe you did that five years ago. We're looking at people and go, I can't believe what you're about to do in five years. I see something in you that you don't even see in you. And God's connected us through the kingdom so that I can call that out in you and you can call it out in me. You know where my life began to change? When I started connecting with people that were way higher than I am. And then we want to wonder why we're not getting spiritually mature. And it's because we continue submitting ourselves under the people that are lower than we are. And we submit our opinions and our actions to their opinions and their thoughts. Or we try to overtake the spiritual authority that God has put in our life. And we're like, they can't do that. I need to do that. And, da, 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 da. and then we go over it. And God's like looking and going, you can't grow because you can't submit to the authority I put in you. You want to grow? Get under some higher authority. 
unbind something in somebody. That's kingdom, guys. I know some of you are like, I've never heard this before. It's because this stuff is hard to teach. But I'm telling you right now, if you'll get in connection with kingdom people, I promise you, life's change. Think back to the story of the men, the man in our church accepting Jesus in the front lawn of of his life group leader's house. You know why he did that? I asked him. He said, because life groups is a secret sauce. He said, life groups is where it's at. Listen, can I tell you something? You're not going to connect with people the way that you should just sitting in in a chair every Sunday morning. You need to be here. You need to sit in those chairs, but you need to get in a team. And you need to get in a life group because that's where connection happens. Because then when something goes down, you can look at your life group and go, Hey, guys, I don't know what's going down in my life, but I need some prayer. Hey, guys, I serve with you every single Sunday, but I'm going to be honest. Monday through Saturday is hell for me. Can you guys just lift me up and help me out? Hey, guys, I feel depressed today. All right, let's go. Let's, let's kick into action. Let's surround them. Before we set up a drape, we're going to pray over you today. That's connection. And it only reproduces through that. Some of you walked in today and you didn't know what you were missing, but now you know you're missing connection. And some of you walked in today and you've prayed the prayer but never submitted the heart. Are you just never given your life to Jesus to begin with? And here's what I want to ask you to do right now. I'm not even going to ask you to close your eyes in this moment or bow your head. I'm going to ask you if there's anybody in the room in this moment, in this day, right now, that would say, I need a new life with Jesus Christ, the one that died and rose again to give me life, to give me authority, to give me victory and freedom in this life. And it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be the best thing. But I'm just going to walk it out with him, and I'm going to let him teach me how to do things the right way, the kingdom way, throughout this thing. If that's you and you're ready for a new life and you're life today can you do something for me will you just slip your hand up right where you are not be ashamed of it but be proud that you are about to walk into the kingdom of God as a child of God through victory and through salvation if that's you will you throw your hand up in the air right where you are and join with over 50 people that have done it this week this year amen now some of you are walking in here and I'm just gonna be real with you okay mending this thing real the truth is this You haven't grown in your relationship with God. And you're wondering why. But something began to click when connection was taught about. And you're going, that's it. I haven't even connected. I want to give you some practical steps today. I I challenge you to do a few things. One, I challenge you to check out our life groups, our summer life groups in the lobby. This was not a message to pump life groups. This is a message to say you can't expand kingdom without connection. Life groups is a great way to do it. We'll figure out a way to make it happen. But walk by that table and just go show me the life groups. Pastor Travis will be there. He can answer any question you got. Life groups, a way to connect and talk and grow together. Let's connect in that. Maybe you're in a life group, but you're still missing a connection. You know what that is? It's probably serving. You need a team. So that we're not a dead sea that stops the outflow, but we put the outflow there so that it's flowing at all times. Join a team. Teams do not just come and do. Teams celebrate together. Teams go to Fireflies games together. Teams pray together. Teams go to worship events together. They grow together. You know why? Connection. It grows something. It changes us. Then I challenge you to do this. Regardless of where you are on those first two, because if you're ready to, to start serving, stop by the black tent. They'll tell you how to do it. 
life groups, stop by that table. They'll tell you how to do it. But here's the thing. No matter where you are on those things, I wanted you to do something this week. Write down three names, at least three. You can write down ten for all I care, but at least three names of people that you feel like God has put in your life. And your job is to unbind something in them. And you're going to do everything you can to remove a stone and get them in this house and get them in the presence of Jesus so that he can call them forth in the midst of their death and tragedy. Three names of people that I will do everything I can to bring to this church and to bring into the presence of Jesus Christ. Because it's not you that's going to save them. It's him. Can I be honest? That's our role in the kingdom is connect and unbind people. Will you stand with me one more time? I want to pray and then we're going to sing a chorus one time and we're getting out of here. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you called us to be a part of this kingdom. Thank you that you called us to do practical things so that we can make a difference. God, I pray that you would call people forth in this life. I pray, God, that you would connect us with people so that we can unbind them and they can unbind us. God, I pray that we would, you would just ready our hearts to go and get involved in a life group, go and get involved in a team. God, that you'd put those three, five, six, ten people in our name, in our brain that we can write down and begin praying over to remove stones and get them in this house because we know what you're doing in here. Let us be the kingdom throughout the county and throughout the state. God, don't let one person walk out of here today without shaking the hand and connecting with somebody. Come on, let's sing that. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Let's go. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.